Yeah, I'm always fighting for my head coach. You know what I'm saying? Every, every week, I think we all are. Uh, we got a lot of respect for that man. Uh, he holds us to high standards, and uh, we got to hold ourselves to that standard too. Jameis Winston on his head coach. Is it dead Dirk walking? Or if the Bucks went out, does Dirk, Cutter, and possibly Jason Light have a chance to keep their jobs? Questions that uh, have a few weeks to be answered, maybe more than a few weeks. Welcome to PeterPowers.com's podcast, A Few Extra Bucks, A Few Extra Takes on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. House of Brews, of course, in Lutz, Florida. Sea Dog Brewing Company, two great locations in Clearwater and in Treasure Island by the beach. Great, great brews, great food, and great service. This is a special podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We're celebrating our 50th. Yeah, it's our 50th anniversary. We kicked these off back in June and uh, already 50 in the books after we finished this one. So we're real excited as I bring in our voice of reason, producer Justin Thomas, who just downloaded a bunch of sound. Part of it you can see on our video wrap we uh, released yesterday. But uh, I think we have well-rounded sound for this show, Justin. I agree. And uh, when's the last time you could say you did 50 of something? Yeah, I don't think I can do 50 push-ups. Uh, <laughs> I don't know I can't do 50 sit-ups. But let's go to Roy Cummings, who uh, is always my inspiration when I'm uh, finishing up a run because Roy Cummings never walks, finishes strong in whatever he does. That's right, partner, right? <laughs> I, I try to, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Congratulations to us on uh, 50 podcasts. Uh, that's good stuff. Let's... Uh, Let's shoot for another 50 and uh, see how far we can go beyond that. I was thinking famous 50s. You have Mike Singletary that stands out, but uh, maybe less famous 50s, uh, Mike Vrabel and Dave Dalby. Remember Dave Dalby, Roy? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> 50 is kind of top-heavy with Mike Singletary. It gets a little uh, <laughs> tough to find good 50 yeah. after that. Well, you know, we, we heard Jameis Winston talk at the top about playing for, for Dirk Cutter, and, and none of these guys are going to really touch it. He plays every week for him, and, you know, we know Jameis Winston plays hard or attempts to, to play hard every week. Um, I want to start off with some sound from Dirk Cutter because, it, it, you know, we know this about the Bucks' schedule next season. They're going to play in either London or Mexico City. I would guess London because of the Glaciers' connection to Manchester United. But here was Dirk Cutter on the prospects of the Bucks playing in abroad next year. I think for right now, you know, we're trying to focus on Baltimore. We got our hands full of Baltimore. That's something that's going to happen in the future. And uh, when the Bucks get to that part, I'm sure we get to that point in the season next year, I'm sure it will be good. All right. To be fair, Dirk Cutter was asked the question, uh, what does this mean for the organization? But I think a lot of people interpreted that it wasn't we he was speaking about the Bucks in another tone there. How do you interpret this, Roy? Is the media reading too much into this? You know, I, I think they are, really. I, I mean, uh, just because he says the Bucks in the third person as opposed to including himself, I don't think that, that means anything. I mean, uh, I, I don't, you know, does he know he's fired already? Uh, I don't know. He probably, look, he sees the writing on the wall. He knows what we all know. Um, the team has not performed up to expectations. Uh, you know, he's, he's barely, uh, making it as a head coach. I think he probably feels that, uh, um, you know, he's, he's probably headed out the door, maybe, you know, if anything, maybe this is more of a suggestion that his plan is at the very least, yeah, maybe he's going to resign. If he doesn't get fired, maybe he's going to resign. Maybe he's figured out that, Hey, I'm not a head coach and I'm not doing this team a whole lot of good on wow. uh, the position I'm in. 
So maybe his plan is to resign. Maybe that's, that's a hot, that's a hot take, Roy Cummings. That's yeah, a hot. Maybe that's what maybe that's what you can read into this. Uh, is that his plan is to resign? I'm not going to wait to wait to be fired. I'll resign at the end of the end of the end of uh, you know that could be the post game press conference um, in Raymond James Stadium after the Atlanta game. No matter what happens, guys, gentlemen, appreciate <laughs> the opportunity, but I resign. Do you believe that? Do you believe yeah, that's a possibility? Yeah, I do. Um, I, look, I, look, Dirk Cutter, I think, cares about the organization in a way that, you know, he wants to see them succeed. And I think at the end of the day, he probably looks at it and says, look, I'm not a head coach. You know, I'd like to be. I wish I was. I wish I was better at this, but I'm not. And, uh, you know, I don't think it would. It wouldn't surprise me if he resigned and said, look, I'm better off for a football team as their offensive coordinator. Put me in that position. Uh, that's my strength. I know that now. I appreciate the opportunity, but for this team to move forward, uh, they need someone else as the head coach. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he does that. Kind of the offensive version of Wade Phillips, who's an exceptional coordinator, but uh, or North Turner maybe. I've never seen those guys kind of admit that, but uh, that's a hot take from Roy Cummings. Well, I don't I don't know if I, I could see him doing that, but that's that's incredible. All right, I, I don't know if we can agree on this, guys. We don't have pre-show meetings because we want these podcasts to be spontaneous. I don't know if you agree with this mindset because you guys disagree with me on a lot of things. You kind of gang up on me, to be honest. I'm scared <laughs> to ask you about this stuff. But I don't really think that these podcasts moving forward, because the Bucks are out of the playoff picture. I know it's a 2% chance or 1.38 or whatever the hell it is. They're done. They're not going to have a winning record. They're not in the playoffs. We could break down the opponents every week. We could break down the Baltimore Ravens and the Cowboys and the Falcons. But do we? I don't want to break stuff down. I want to talk kind of uh, big picture about this football team, what they are moving forward. You know, who needs to play well maybe down the stretch, those kind of things. Do we need to break down games anymore? Is that necessary? I don't think so. Um, no, I mean, look, I'm sure, you know, everybody's, you know, look, everybody thinks they're going to lose the next two anyway, just like they thought they were going to lose the first three. Um, you know, I think most people give them a chance against uh, – uh, Atlanta at home at the end of the season, just because uh, everybody's going to be heading out the door anyway. And they figure, well, they're at home, so maybe give them that one. But I think everybody thinks that they're nowhere near as good as uh, uh, Baltimore or Dallas. Look, my my honest belief is I think they can beat both Baltimore and Dallas. You want another hot take? Um, you know, do we need to break down the game coming up? Not necessarily, but do I think they can win it? I sure do. Um, look, the, the, the football team we saw, and again, I said this, I think, in our previous podcast, I think a lot of people are basing their opinions of how the Bucks are going to fare over the course of the next two, three weeks here on what they saw in the second half of that game against the Saints. That was one bad half of football for this team, um, basically. And, uh, you know, before that, though, the previous, uh, what, uh, eight, ten quarters were pretty darn good. And based on the previous 10 quarters, I would say the Bucs have a very good chance of beating both of the teams they have coming up on the road. I'm not going to say it's easy. I don't know if I would pick them um, at this point. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think they have an opportunity to win those games. If you really want to show that you're not the team people think you are, that you're not the loser, the uh, you know, go out and win these last three. Go out and win these last three and show everybody, you know what, you are a better team. You had one bad, You had one bad half over the course of the last five, six games of the year. And other than that, you know, you, you, you played pretty good football. So I would say, you know, there is a lot to play for here. 
And, you know, what will it save jobs? Uh, perhaps. Uh, whose job? Well, that remains to be seen because, again, it all starts up front or up top, rather. Um, if the GM is gone, the coach is gone, you're bringing in new people and new schemes, and that means new players, and uh, then, you know, all bets are off. So we'll see where it goes, but um, that's my feeling. You're a hot take machine today, my friend. I- unbelievable. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why people love this podcast. Uh, I've never seen you hotter out of the gates than this, Roy Cummings. You know, I don't think they're going to win the next two games. I think they beat Atlanta. I think they, uh, they finished the season 6-10. and 10. That's my prediction. But I, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Um, let's move to Jameis Winston. You know, I'm looking at quarterbacks around the league, guys. It's amazing to me when you look across the league how many quarterbacks there are that are either Jameis Winston's age, right around his age, or younger than Jameis Winston. And you look no further than the Baltimore Ravens' newest starter, Lamar Jackson. And, you know, Joe Flacco, he's been the starter in Baltimore since 2008. And I'm not going to break down the matchups here, but I find this interesting when you talk about Jameis Winston. You know, Jameis Winston is 25 years old, I believe. But there are so many quarterbacks younger than Jameis Winston, and Lamar Jackson's one of them. He's 3-1 and one as a starter. He has Baltimore really in the thick of uh, a playoff, you know, making some noise in the playoffs of the sixth seed right now. They're a half game back with the Steelers. My point is, don't you think, does that worry you, uh, Roy, that, that Jameis Winston, and we've all talked about, we think, we agree that the Bucks need to hold on to him. They've invested so much into him. But does it does it concern you a little bit? You look around the league, whether it's the Mahomeses of the world or, I don't know, even the Dak Prescotts, the Carson Wentzes, or even Lamar Jackson this week, you know, this Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield. I mean, I keep going. You have guys that are younger, Jared Goff, and they've made more noise in the league than Jameis Winston has so far. Well, they've made more noise because, uh, you know, a couple of them uh, have, have had some pretty nice runs. They're on better football teams, most of them. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, really, well, what's, what's Carson Wentz done? He's gotten hurt a lot. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Okay. Yeah. He's had a nice couple of games here, you know, good for him. Um, you know, does that make him a better quarterback than Jameis Winston? I don't think so. Um, you hear a lot of noise about, uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I, I wouldn't take Teddy Bridgewater over Jameis Winston at this point. Jared Goff has obviously outplayed him the last two years. Uh, no question about that. Um, you know, you look at a guy like uh, Carson Palmer uh, or Derek Carr, rather, I, I, I should say, um, you know, he's suddenly, you know, fallen down the list of uh, top quarterbacks. I still think he's a franchise quarterback, but uh, he's not getting a whole lot of press right now because he's on a losing team. Um, Deshaun Watson has uh, has played well. Uh, but again, he 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 stepped into a football team that was a little bit better than the Buccaneers. Um, you know, I don't think Jameis Winston has has done a poor job as a quarterback. I understand that uh, you know a lot of people look at him and and they question whether he's uh, he's a franchise caliber quarterback. I can see that, but um, you know, let's just take for instance. I mean, look look at Jameis Winston's last four games and compare and compare him to Lamar Jackson's last four games. Um, Lamar Jackson in that time has uh, has thrown three touchdown passes, uh, three interceptions, has a quarterback passer rating in those four games of the, these are his four starts, by the way. Um, of about, I'm going to guess it's about 74, 75. What's special about that? You know, I heard some people today uh, on the radio locally uh, saying how scared they are of Lamar Jackson and how he's going to be such a test for the Buccaneers. 
yeah, okay, he's a nice running threat, perhaps. Uh, he can run the ball a little bit. He can throw it as well. You know, so can Jameis Winston. So can Cam Newton. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Bucks beat Cam Newton. So, I, I, you know, I, I'll take Jameis Winston over several of these guys. Not all of them, obviously, but several. I think your best point there is that they have better teams. Um, now, now, granted, Jameis Winston has a lot of help. But, the, you know, I think we all thought the offensive line would be better going into the season. So I guess when you look at the big picture, you talk about the, you know, the Derek Carrs and, and if you look at Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, you see Jameis is kind of in the middle of that pack, would you say? Or would you say upper crust or maybe lower crust out of all those guys? Uh, in the middle of the pack, but uh, leaning towards the upper crust. Um, look, he's got four years of experience. You know exactly what you're getting with him. Um, there's really no no question about that. You know you're getting a, a legitimate leader in the clubhouse or locker room, I should say. Um, you're getting someone who uh, uh, really works at the craft, no doubt about that. Um, you know, he has his moments, but, uh, everybody does, but, uh, you're also talking about a guy who seems to be able to figure out exactly when, uh, you know, he figure out that he learns from his mistakes. That, that's, that's what I like about James Winston. He tends, he tends to learn from his mistakes. I would like to see him on a team that is complete. Uh, it doesn't have to be as stacked offensively as this one, but it needs to have a field goal kicker who can kick field goals and a defense that can stop the other team. So the James Winston, doesn't have to feel like he's got to make special plays every every down uh, or at least every series uh, to keep his team in the hunt. So I, that's what I would like to see because that's what a lot of the quarterbacks that you mentioned uh, have. Um, Jameis Winston doesn't have that, never has, and uh, at this point you have to wonder if he ever will. Well, we can say this about Jameis Winston. He owns it. He owns his mistakes, and he sticks up for his teammates. Chris Godwin, you know, Roy, we broke this down. After the uh, Saints loss, Chris Godwin, 10 targets, only one catch, and he's been really a steady player, a guy who's really improved, but maybe his worst game as a pro was against the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston was asked uh, about Chris Godwin's day and how he is going to help Chris Godwin get more involved moving forward, and I liked his response here. I put it on me. I told him after the game, I was like, man, I got I to gotta get you the ball uh, the right way. So uh, we we gonna work hard every single week. Uh, the good thing is it's a new game, and I know he's gonna bounce back. He's a great receiver. He's a great uh, target that we have. So Jameis Winston sticking up for Chris Godwin. Uh, you know, frankly, I, I was gonna ask you guys all of this, and I think Chris Godwin is, is my uh, one of my uh, selections for this. You know, moving forward, guys, with three games left in the season, I'm gonna put you guys all on the spot here. What player do you think has the most to play for? Because this team's not going to have a winning record. They're not going to be in the playoffs. Um, let's say besides Jameis Winston, because I think that's an easy answer. Uh, besides Jameis Winston, I'll start while you guys are thinking about it. I think uh, you know a guy like Chris Godwin has a lot to play for because I don't think Deshaun Jackson is going to be here. There may be a whole new head coach and a GM, you know, a whole new set of eyes who are, who are going to watch film in the last three games, not only the last three games, but the entire season. Chris Godwin really has a chance in the last three games to show – you know, I'm one of those guys you can count on to be a maybe a number one or number two receiver in this league. What do you think? Justin, I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, I don't want to take the take your thunder. <laughs> uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking Cairo Santos. I don't know if he's the nice. I like that. If he's the answer per se, but and he started off hot. He was 
hitting everything until last week. Um, but if he can end the season strong, I don't see why he wouldn't still remain on the team. Uh, but that's the, the first one I thought of off the top of my head. I think it's uh, my guess is Peyton Barber because uh, it's a guy who I thought, you know, was going to step up and, and really, you know, kind of have a career year this year and really establish, establish himself as an every down back. Uh, the Bucks obviously believed going into the season that he could be that um, he hasn't shown it. And I, I think that no matter what offense you run going forward, um, you're going to need a running element. And I think that, uh, you know, as cheap as running backs are really in the draft and that kind of thing. Um, and Hey, you know what, who knows, depending on who, who the new head coach is, if there is a new head coach, he, he may want to go out in free agency and get somebody uh, maybe even a Le'Veon Bell. You never know. I mean, uh, we'll have to wait and see how it shakes out, but I think that's a guy who's playing for his job for sure, because he just didn't play up to expectations this year. And really it is a, what have you done for me lately kind of league. I, I think you can look across the, the Bucks offense and see where, you know, I think Jameis Winston is going to be here. I don't think there's any question. Uh, I think uh, Mike Evans will be here. OJ Howard, Cameron Brait more than likely will be here. Uh, I think uh, uh, Chris Godwin will be here um, just because Deshaun Jackson won't. So, uh, and I think most, you know, for the most part, I think the line will be here. I don't think uh, uh, there might be some changes at right guard, perhaps even right tackle, but uh uh, that's more a case of, you know, guys, you know, just not in, in DeMar Dotson's case, he's just getting old. But I think Peyton Barber is a guy who uh, has failed to show what he's capable of and uh, and may, may not get another opportunity to do it. What about Ronald Jones' future? Uh, you know, what do you see that? I mean, he's he's obviously second round pick, but we could see a whole new GM and a, and a coach come in here. And, and uh, you know, do you give up on the guy that early? I mean, how do you how do you approach a guy like that? Well, it depends on what that new GM and coach think. I mean, how they scouted him, if they liked him as a player. Look, Ronald Jones was pretty highly thought of, uh, you know, uh, on draft weekend. There's no doubt about it. When the Bucks picked him up, everybody thought they'd they'd hit a home run with a home run hitter, um, you know, especially where they got him. It didn't work out that way. Um, so I think you have to you have to figure out, okay, what is the new head coach, the new GM, however, whatever it is, if there is one, you know, how do they feel? If it's the same group, I think you look at it and say, okay, you give him a red shirt season. It didn't work out. A lot of things didn't work out this year. Um, you know, Mitch Unrein didn't work out. So uh, at the end of the day, I, I say you probably give him a red shirt season and see if he's still got that ability in him. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that he can't play in the league just because it didn't work out this year. So I think he gets another shot. One guy who did work out is uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. We'll get to him in just a second, but I want to close out um, kind of the offensive side of things. I think we all would have picked Jameis Winston if we didn't pick Santos or Peyton Barber or, or Chris Godwin. It's a big final three games for him in a lot of ways. And we talked about this last week. I thought Jameis Winston had a very revealing press conference last Thursday. You know, we talked about um, – the visor was kind of diffused all the stuff about the visor. He said it was kind of a swag. It was all about look, but he, but he brought up the fact that he meditates more and he uses this headspace app to kind of calm him down. Here's what he had to say in more detail uh, on Thursday about that. It just makes you more present uh, for the most part, uh, allows you to, uh, it's not a lot of time where I get a chance to just spend uh, time to myself and I uh, really think, you know, I'm always, my mind's always going. I'm always doing this or doing that. Now that I'm a father, uh, I'm spending time with family, uh, trying to give them as much time as I possibly can. 
So uh, in the mornings, you know, you get a chance to, to sit there and think and reflect a little bit and, um, and just breathe. And that's the most part. You gather your thoughts and uh, you approach the day uh, with the right attitude and, uh, and the right mindset. He apparently started using the Headspace app two years ago. Does 10 minutes in the morning, five minutes in the afternoon. You know what I, I thought about when I first heard this last week and I thought about it even more when I heard it uh, on Thursday? Roy is, um, I think there are a lot of people in Jameis Winston's head. I think a lot of people are reaching out, trying to help him, you know, and, he, and I think this is just part of the equation, really. Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people are trying to help him. Uh, there are a lot of people in his head, and I, I wonder if we've reached the point where maybe it's it's too many people are in his head. Um, you know, now he's in his own head, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but hey, look, I, I applaud the kid for trying to find something that um, helps him to find inner peace, whatever it may be, um, whatever it's going to take for him to play better football, uh, is what Bucks fans should be concerned about. And in this case, you know, we're starting to see that, um, again, we still need to see it for another week uh, or another three weeks, rather this, you know, the end of the season. But look, for me, he, he, he's had error-free football for the most part here over the course of the last three games. That's, that's a good step forward for him. Um, you know, he didn't play his best game last week, but he also didn't throw the ball to the other team. I'm not counting the last uh, interception at the end of the game because uh, you're throwing that ball up for grabs. I, I think he made a lot of good decisions uh, for the most part, and I think that uh, he's realizing that he still has a ways to go in some, with some of those decisions uh, in terms of getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker to avoid sacks. But, you know, that'll come. Uh, I think he's, he's, you know, he's, he's learning on the job. And then, you know, that's another thing that people, they, they never want to give any, anybody credit here or, 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 you know, count that, that, you know, yes, he's quarterbacks to come in from college and immediately start playing like Tom Brady or Drew Brees have been around for 10, 12 years or longer. And, and it just doesn't happen. It takes time to get there. And, you know, again, I, I I'm a big fan of, of patience and, and sticking with guys. Uh, most NFL people are not, I, I don't quite get it when you invest the kind of money and, uh, value of draft picks that you do in some of these guys. But um, I, I think Jameis Winston has taken some strides forward here in the last few weeks. And if it's all because of meditation and, uh, you know, some kind of in, in, introspective uh, approach to his life, good, good for him because I think it's working. Last uh, nugget on offense, and this really speaks for the whole team. And you know, We'll get to Jason Pierre-Paul in just a second. But Jason Pierre-Paul actually uh, admitted to me in the, in the locker room this week the obvious that they're out of the playoffs. But, um, I talked to some Buccaneer players first with Chris Godwin and then Adam Humphreys. How is this team going to approach their final three games of the year? You know, we're going to go out there and do our best. You know, we're going to go out there and try to put a great product on the field and try to win these games. You know, we're all competitors in here. We're all going to go out there and try to get victories because, you know, we don't know anything else. It's the same way we approach each and every game, um, to win uh, every single one of them. Um, you know, that's our main goal is to win each game, and um, we're going to do our best to do that and, uh, you know, try to have fun. You would expect them to say that. The one guy I didn't include that you can see in our video wrap is Jason Pierre-Paul. And this is what I really like about him, Roy. Obviously, I like his play on the field. I like the way he practices. We saw in training camp what a professional he is. I like the way he deals with the media. Uh, unlike Gerald McCoy, he talks every week. And I feel like he doesn't like to be a, you know, a, a leader by – a vocal leader. He's more of a leader by example. But I think he's been a vocal leader this year in a lot of ways – and you see it in the media, you see the way he handles himself on the sideline. But Jason Pierre-Paul said something this week that, you know, we're all pros, and I expect us to, to work work in that 
context the rest of the year. And if you ask Mark Duffner, his defensive coordinator, who was asked this week with Pro Bowl voting coming up soon, who would he pick out of all the defense for the Bucks to be a Pro Bowler? Here's what he had to say, followed by the guy he selected. I think it's hard to not mention Jason Pierre-Paul and the kind of season that he's had for us. I mean, he made some plays in the game the other day that not just in the in the line and defensive line, but on the perimeter, perimeter plays and chase downs and and uh, uh, excellent uh, pursuit plays that, uh, I mean, he, this guy has, has really been a, a very, very strong contributor to our defense. And lar- largely, I mean, he's such an effort-filled player, busts his tail out there, plays hurt, uh, plays tough, and as I said, has made plays both in the run and pass game. I, I think it'd be awful hard to overlook that guy. Mark Duffner said you're having an all-pro type season. When you hear that from your coach, how does that make you feel, and do you agree with him? I think it's pretty cool, you know, that he thinks highly of me, and, you know, I appreciate everything he said. Um, but I'm going to continue being me, you know, and keep playing some ball. He's lived up to the hype. Has he exceeded the hype, Roy Cummings, Jason Pierre-Paul? Um, you know, I maybe just a tad. Um, I mean, let's face it. I think people, when he, when he came in, you expected to get, you know, what the, what the Giants got for all those years out of Jason Pierre-Paul. And, uh, you know, he had another year last year to kind of get us accustomed to playing, uh, you know, with the situation with his hand. And, um, I think he's adjusted to that very well. So I would say that he certainly, uh, met the hype and probably exceeded it just a tad. Um, but the thing that I really like about him is that he's not just a pass rusher. And this is what I think what makes him special is. I think this is what Mark Duffner was alluding to. Um, this is a guy who hustles on every play. Uh, he treats rundowns just like he does pass rushdowns. Uh, he does run sideline to sideline. He plays hurt. He plays hard constantly. And, uh, and, it, and, and he's effective. And it shows up on the stat sheet. It shows up on film. And he's a guy that uh, just about every game uh, jumps, out to, uh, jumps out to you if you're watching it live. So, it's hard to ask for much more out of a guy, and Jason Pierre-Paul has certainly delivered. Um, I got to think that other players around that Bucks defense, and maybe on the offense as well, can look to him and say, "Okay, this is how it's done." He's a true pro. Uh, he comes from a winning organization, um, kind of uh, accustomed to getting to the playoffs or at least being in the playoff mix. Um, and I think that's the difference. Is that here's a guy who who doesn't know that you that you can quit with three games left to play because he's not accustomed to, you know, sitting out the playoffs. He's accustomed to being in that race right until the end and, you know, sometimes uh, getting into the, and getting into the tournament. So um, he's a pro. He's a pro's pro. And he was a, one heck of an addition by this team, uh, no question about it. I think he's exceeded the hype, and he had a lot of hype coming in. I think it's funny we look back that he was criticized for not showing up for OTAs. <laughs> when, yeah, a little bit. When you look back, I tell you, a guy who's really exceeded the hype uh, before we get to three and out here is Carl Nassib. Now, Carl Nassib, you know, was kind of that hard knock star in Cleveland, and was giving guys stock tips, and was kind of a funny, outgoing guy. Been kind of quiet, but you know what? His play's been really loud. Six and a half sacks. Uh, here's what Dirk Cutter said about Carl Nassib and why he's been so impactful and what makes him a great player. Carl's a his length. And his motor make him tough, you know, just when we have to go against him in practice, just just those two things alone, length and motor, make him difficult to handle. And then uh, uh, the fact that he's usually where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there, that's the other thing. That, that's where the consistency part comes in. 
Roy, isn't it funny that all the buzz in the offseason was Vinny Curry and Bo Allen, but here you have Carl Nassib uh, healthier and, and having better results than both guys. Yeah, uh, look, uh, another fine pickup by uh, Jason Light, who gets criticized a lot for making poor decisions in free agency, I guess. Well, this one wasn't. Um, you know, by the way, I don't remember anybody complaining about Deshaun Jackson when he came in. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, we can battle, we can debate that maybe in the next uh, podcast. But uh, look, at the end of the day, the, the, the kid is really uh, fit uh, what they're what they're looking to. He fits the scheme. He's played exceptionally well. Um, I think he's a keeper. And, you know, I, I that's the thing is, you know, can the Bucks hold on to him? Um, I'm sure they want to. Uh, this is the kind of season that can get you a new contract. Uh, the Bucks are going to have to pay. He's a left end, but uh, he gets the job done. And right now, um, I would say going into next season, if you feel like you've got Carl Nassib on one end, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul on the other, and uh, Gerald McCoy in the middle, you got to feel like you've got a pretty good pass rush. And the numbers really back it up. So, um, And I think Carl Nassib has been a big key to that. It, it's not just Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, Carl Nassib has been a big key to that. He's, he's had a lot of key pressures. Again, he's a, he's a pro, he's a hustler. And, uh, uh, I think he's a good player and I think the Bucks are fortunate to have him. I think they'll, they'll probably work pretty hard to hold on to him. Uh, as they it's should. funny cause I love hard knocks and, and I watched all of it. And Nassib was such a big part of the Browns rendition of hard knocks. And, uh, but since he's been in Tampa, um, you know, if you talk to local media, He's a laid back guy. You don't you expected this real outgoing, gregarious personality, and he's not. And I had a chance to catch up with him one on one. You can see the full interview in our latest uh, video uh, wrap on PeterPires.com. But here's a portion of it. You, know, you came here, and I know it was it was a tough situation, but it seems like you've made the most of it. You got to really be happy with uh, making the most of this opportunity. Yeah, I owe I owe a lot to uh, Jason Light, to uh, Coach Buck, and uh, Coach Cutter. You know they're. You know, I um, just want to keep, you know, proving myself and, you know, doing the best I can to help my team and, yeah, having fun. What parts of your game finally do you think you've improved on this season? Uh, just being someone that, um, you know, the coaches and my teammates can count on to do their job every play. It just goes to show you, Roy, in football, that's why, you know, if you have a great preseason, you could dominate in the preseason. You never know if you're going to make a team because you can bring in a guy like Carl Nassib. And you can't really predict the roster sometimes because you may – it's rare, but the Bucks really hit on this guy. But you never know who you can get from another team, you know, late in training camp right before the season. He's a perfect example of that. Yeah, I would say every team probably – you know, nobody quits finding or looking for uh, top-level players – uh, when they set their 53-man roster, everybody, you know, that weekend is more about, you know, seeing who else gets let go and what can you pick up from it. Um, a lot of times it's a young player who just didn't fit, you know, or work out in one place and you scouted him and you liked him in the draft and you didn't have an opportunity to get him. You know, that's why when people talk about the draft, um, they sometimes wonder, you know, why why do they interview so many players? You can only draft, you know, seven or eight or whatever it is. And why do you interview, you know, 30 and 45 and hundred of them really, and get to know them all? Well, you get to know them all because you never know when they might be having, when you might have an opportunity to pick them up. And Carl Nassib is a guy that the Buccaneers liked in the draft, just didn't have an opportunity really to pick up, to get him then. Um, but suddenly he becomes available and, you know, you, you jump all over it. So uh, yeah, that's one of the more interesting things about uh, the NFL is some of these guys who get let go by, you know, one team get picked up by another and, 
you know, basically spend that season proving that, boy, you sure made a mistake by letting me go, and you made the, the right move by picking me up. So Carl Nassib's in that group this yeah, no year for sure. It. Um, well, that wraps up kind of our broad view of the Buccaneers. Like we said, you know, we know they're not going to make the playoffs. We want to give you kind of broad uh, looks at this football team, not only right now but, but moving forward. But we have one more piece of agenda to attend to, Justin, you know what time it is. Three and out, baby. Three questions, and we are out of here. Uh, number one, and we'll bring Justin in, and I guess I have to go Justin first, right? Is that is that the preferred order moving forward here? Yeah, that's preferred at this point. <laughs> All right. I think uh, everybody, uh, unless you're a Patriots fan, enjoyed the Miami miracle. I think, you know, the Patriots are kind of like the Yankees now, where everybody hates them except the Yankees. You know, it's just, I don't know. They win too much. Uh, Belichick's not the most lovable guy in the world. But this is hardly the first Miami miracle. Which is the best Miami miracle? The recent Miami miracle with the Dolphins and the Patriots? The Doug Flutie miracle? Boston College against the Miami Hurricanes, or going way back, Joe Namath's miracle over the Baltimore Colts when he guaranteed it in the Super Bowl. What do you think, Justin? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with the Joe Namath one. I mean, that was pretty ballsy for him to come out and say that they were going to win, and then to back it up like that. Uh, that's pretty incredible. Although I will say I really enjoyed – that play this past week and not only because of how crazy it was and how little that is successful, that kind of play, but also the fact that it was against the Patriots. Roy? You know, you, you didn't count the Miami miracle that um, uh, the baseball team, the minor league baseball team that uh, Bill Vec's son ran and was, uh, was quite an interesting uh, entity for a while. That probably would have been my favorite. Uh, it was a minor league class A team in the Florida State League, the Miami Miracle. But, You're right. um, you know, I'll tell you what, to me, uh, being an NFL guy, not as much a college football guy, I, I lean towards the, the, the Namath Miracle. But I'm not so, so sure that was a miracle because they kind of just won over time in the game. I'm going to go with Doug Flutie because – it was the you know it's a hail mary pass right at the end nobody expected it and they win the game and what an upset uh, granted uh, the the Jets was a big upset too but I'm gonna go with the Doug Flutie throw because uh, it, that was a that was a miracle play it was one play it wasn't uh, just a, an upset that kind of came about over time I'm gonna go with the uh, I'm gonna go with Doug Flutie and and that play because that was that was truly uh, a miracle throw, a Hail Mary. Yeah, I'm going to go with Doug Flutie, too, because as as nifty as that play was for the Miami Dolphins, um, I don't know. There's something about that Doug Flutie play. And I don't know. <laughs> I can't ask Justin this because he's too young. But Doug Flutie, when he threw that football, it's almost one of those games where you knew where you were when it happened. Maybe it doesn't register with you like that, Roy, but it does with me. I remember I was – it's early 80s. I don't even think I was in high school yet. I was having Thanksgiving dinner up in D.C. with my relatives. We kind of finished Thanksgiving dinner, watching the end of the game like we give a damn about Boston College, Miami. But all of a sudden, that play happens. And it, you remember that as a kid. You never forget who you saw it with. 
did it register with you like that at all? Yes, it did. And here's why. I was a rookie um, at the Tampa Tribune, uh, working the desk. I was an agate clerk at the time, working the desk that night. And um, it was old fashioned newspapers. We had a uh, our, our managing editor, our sports editor, rather, um, uh, was in the slot, which means he's like right in the middle and everybody else is around him. And he, you know, passes out the duties to them, uh, you know, what pages to edit, that kind of thing. And the game was on and he was a massive and I mean massive University of Miami fan. When when that play was done, he got up from his desk he walked quietly over to another desk at the uh, at the end of the room, and it was a metal desk. He kicked it, left a big, massive dent in it, and then quietly walked back to his <laughs> post and went back to work. And after that, some of the guys at the paper circled it with a big black sharpie nice. and put the score down. <laughs> and the date, and that. And that stayed in that Tribune office, I believe, until they uh, tore it down about a year ago. Um, that desk was uh, was a very famous. If there was a <laughs> if there was a museum of uh, you know Tampa sports history, that actually might have made it into the museum because it was uh, it was certainly a momentous moment in Tampa Tribune sports history. Uh, it's a moment that many many uh, Tampa Tribune sports writers. Uh, talk about to this day and and laugh until they can't uh, until they're in tears over because Richard Lord was his name. He was the sports editor, big fan. Got so furious when that happened, but he composed himself, <laughs> gave that gave that desk a good swift kick. The dent is uh, the dent was there until uh, the building came down. It's funny, you know. It's funny how you remember. I mean, it's hard to forget that. That's 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 pretty good. That beats the Thanksgiving. Uh, dinner with in dc with the relatives for sure but november 23rd 1984 were you even alive justin i was gonna say i was just over two months old oh so you made it for that yeah who knows maybe well, you maybe do it was on tv and and i was witnessing history and i just don't remember it i was too young wow okay well there you go i uh digress live for one of the, for one of the great <laughs> moments in college football history all right, now Roy can help me with this one, if, but uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I try to do my quality research. It's our 50th podcast, so I want to incorporate the number 50. Um, which athlete is the best 50 of all time? Now, uh, Sid Fernandez apparently is the best baseball player to wear, number 50, so we kind of take him out, even though uh, Big Sid, you know, integral part of those New York Mets teams in the 80s. For sure. But we do have uh, Mike Singletary, who I mentioned at the top of the show, and we have David Robinson, the Admiral. You got to respect his career. Um, who's the best fifty? I'm trying to think of a hockey player with fifty. I can't think of one. I don't think. I don't know if there is one. Uh, you know that number. Okay, you're, you're hockey, so I'm like, am I an idiot not remembering a fifty for hockey? Yeah. Um, don't know if there is one. I'll look it up real quick. <laughs> that's what I've been doing. A lot of this podcast is trying to multitask here, but um, couldn't do it. Couldn't find it. I don't think there is one. Okay, good. All right, but Sid Fernandez. It took me forever to find. Uh, a good baseball player with 50. There's no Hall of Famers, there's nothing. So we're down to Mike Singletary and David Robinson. Which career, I'll, I'll put it this way, which career would you rather have? We're doing number 50 in honor of our 50th podcast, Justin. Would you rather have been Mike Singletary or David Robinson? Oh, Mike Singletary, without a doubt. He is amazing. I, I, I He's probably one of the best defensive players I can think of. 
is uh, on a great Bears team. I just I think he's amazing, especially out of the, since there's only two options. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go I'll go with with David Robinson. Um, you know, obviously served his country admirably, and um, then he became the admiral. Uh, won championships, was a tremendous basketball player. And I'm not even really a basketball guy. Um, I'm not taking anything away from Mike Singletary. But uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, I'd probably rather have uh, David Robinson's uh, life and career because uh, that was that was super special in every way you can be um, representing your country and not only and obviously winning championships, uh, several as you you know, for your for your basketball team. I'd really be Sid Fernandez. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I would. I wouldn't want to be uh, Mike Singletary. Uh, I'll be David Robinson because he. You know, I wouldn't want to have to suffer through those 49er years. He, he was in the Super Bowl shuffle, though. That would have yeah. been kind of. Well, fun. that's true, and 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 I thought about that. You're right because you're right. Uh, the 49ers years were tough. Um, tainted the image a little bit. Tainted the image yeah. a little bit. But yeah. as a player, uh, boy, those eyes pierced you with those eyes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously one of the best linebackers of all time. I agree, though. I mean, from David Robinson, uh, you know, to me, did a lot for the Naval Academy, uh, you know, in terms of athletes, just showing that uh, you could you could do it. I mean, you could be a great athlete there and still be a number one overall pick and had a great career, a Hall of Fame career after that. So I'm going to go David Robinson. All right, we go off the boards here. Last week, you guys tortured me for my Hootie and the Blowfish, Bob Seger, Bare Naked Ladies references. Um, I, I actually have lunch once a month. Um, full disclosure, with uh, my youngest daughter, who's in eighth grade, and her best friends. And we have all kinds of fun conversations, as you would imagine. But we had a debate today, and I told him I'm going to bring it to the podcast. All right, I want in order your favorite breakfast food, okay? And I'm going to give you three three selections, okay? You got to give me these in order, okay, Justin? All you right. first. Bagel, donut, muffin. Uh, so I'm going to go in order from... Uh, you go from worst to best. You want me to do it like that? Favorite to least favorite. Yes. All right, I'll do yes. favorite to least favorite. All right. So definitely the donut. I am a sweet breakfast kind of person, not a savory breakfast person. So the donut, then probably, actually, you know what? I'd probably take the bagel second and the muffin third. Nice. Roy, you never thought you'd be asked this question, did you? No, I didn't, uh, but it's a good one. Uh, but I'm definitely a uh, I'm a donut, bagel, muffin guy. I'm not a big muffin guy. Um, usually let those sit. Uh, donuts, boy, hard to pass on them. And uh, you know what? When you want to fill yourself up real quick, a bagel will do the job. You know what? I feel like it. it there's no losing here. You're you're winning with all three. But I'm going donut and muffin bagel, and it's tough because I like bagels a lot. Sorry, bagels. But uh, I'm a big muffin guy, man. I love the blueberry muffins. Uh, man, just can't get enough of that stuff. I so. love those blueberry muffins. You got that right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, by the way, um, Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts, Justin? Ooh. Yeah. Endorsements could be on the line here. If anybody's <laughs> I'm going with uh, Krispy Kreme. Roy? I'm going with Dunkin' Donuts because of variety. I like the variety. Yeah. I want to have a little That's bit of true. a little That's more true. than just uh, just the glaze on them. Yeah, but yeah. see, I like glaze is the best. I I always go for the classic when it comes to yeah. donuts. 
I think Krispy Kreme has the better glaze, but Dunkin' Donuts has the better variety. There you no go. Doubt. There you go. But you know what? You got to love Munchkins too, man. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, listen, gentlemen, I really appreciate it. Uh, we end on uh, food, and I'm hungry, so uh, I guess we all go eat now. But uh, I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. We'll see if the Bucks can uh, – Try to win out here, and it all begins against the Baltimore Ravens Sunday in Baltimore. But we'll uh, recap it coming soon. But this has been another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks. For Justin Thomas and Roy Cummings, I am merely Mike Neighbor. Subscribe to Peter Pirates. It's absolutely free. And check out our latest video wrap with all, a lot of sound that we have in this podcast and so much more. Thanks for logging on. We'll see you down the road.